And we believe that AI tools and generative AI will help them move the needle forward in exciting new ways that we may not even be able to predict right now. It's this intersection we're witnessing between messaging platforms, large language models, and new generative AI-powered tools that will be ultimately transformative. That's Andrea Gellert, Global Vice President of Business and Product Marketing at Meta, our sponsor on this episode of the Digiday Podcast. Later in the show, Custom talks with Andrea about generative AI, the new features the company is rolling out, the responsibility required with the technology, and the thought process behind the latest developments. Welcome to the Digiday Podcast. I'm Keely Barber, media editor at Digiday. And I'm Kamiko McCoy, senior marketing reporter here at Digiday. All right. So Kamiko, you have Amina Pasha, who is the CMO of Thrive Market on the podcast this week as your guest. And I guess like maybe just seeing if she mentioned anything or if you even had any advice, because Thrive Market is an online grocery store. I think it's like more skewed towards the health recipes. I currently moved to a place where I have to do a lot of my grocery shopping like through Instacart or like online um, because I'm just really not, I don't have a car. I'm not really near like a solid market, right? So I've been like trying to figure out good winter recipes that are like I don't know, like good at like meal prep or just like light and healthy. Like, I don't know. Do you have like a good go-to place oh, yeah, for like finding recipes. I just feel like I'm in such like a, a rut with like three leftover like HelloFresh recipe cards <laughs> that I used to go like I used to when I used to do HelloFresh during the pandemic. Like that's what I would go to. I'm like sick of it though, you know? Dude, my go-to has and will always be TikTok for any of my recipes. I've seen some, I'm actually, I'm not good about eating vegetables. Like as a 31 year old woman, if you're like, hey, put red peppers on the salad. I'm like, oh, I don't know. TikTok is like my mother trying to like help me, you know, scarf down veggies. Yeah. Um, but you can like blend up these veggies, put them on to pasta salads and whatnot. One of the recipes that I saw that I actually have all the ingredients downstairs right now as we speak um, is squash. And instead of using like a tomato sauce or an Alfredo sauce for your pasta, you blend up the squash with cheese and a couple of other things um, and you turn that into your pasta. So I'm very excited to see that. And that is a perfect segue to who we are talking to today, Amina, because a lot of their their content and a lot of their success is based on TikTok actually um, targeting people like you and I. Well, it makes sense because like, I think like, again, I need to get more active on TikTok, um, which is a sentence I kind of begrudgingly say as I had to like wean myself off of the platform, you know, a couple of years, like a year ago now. Um, it was, it was taking up way too much of my time, but I never really fell onto like cooking talk, that like cooking side of the algorithm, I guess. So I need to like maybe utilize that again because I really am like struggling to figure out how to cook for myself now that I like live alone. I just, I've never really gotten like a good kind of feel for it, but I'll have to check out TikTok. Um, But I'm in a Thrive Market. They're, you know, utilizing TikTok as like a marketing strategy. Like how are they? Because I think you told me before this, like they're doing decently well right now, which is a little surprising considering like, I feel like a lot of these online groceries or like, you know, meal delivery kit companies Mm -hmm. did really well during the pandemic. Makes sense. People aren't going to the grocery store. They still need food, like checks out. But like a few others have reported like some significant losses lately, but you mentioned like Thrive Market's doing 
fairly well, right? Yeah, they've they've significantly, and we'll get into that more with the, the discussion with Amina, but they've increased their subscriber numbers. And a lot of that has kind of been via TikTok um, and some of that organic growth. You know, with TikTok, one of the things that brands are betting on right now is that organic word of, organic growth, word of mouth style marketing. Um, and somehow Thrive has been able to, 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 to tap into that. Um, and they've really been playing that up. So as the growth in subscriptions has grown, so has their marketing dollars. They've been putting some paid ads out there and whatnot. Um, so they've really hit their stride here um, in what they're looking to do and who they're looking to get in front of. Got it. Well, I'll let you guys get into it. I look forward to listening. Thanks, Miko. Thank you. Hi, Amina. How are you? Thanks so much for joining the Digiday podcast. Hi, I'm doing well. And thank you so much for having me. Super excited to be here. Of course, of course. I am so excited to talk to you about Thrive Market, the online grocery subscription retailer, to dive into you guys' marketing strategy, you guys' current growth that we're seeing, and all other things. Um, But before we get started there, I'm going to start with a fun question. Is that okay? Yes, I love it. What is the best meal that you have made from a Thrive Box? Oh my gosh, the best meal I have made from a Thrive Box. There's so many. Um, Let me see. I mean, I can probably tell you the easiest best meal I have made is going to be uh, taking our Rouse pasta sauce and blending it with our uh, incredible uh, Thrive Market pastas. I mean, I do that probably every day uh, and my kids will eat all of it. So it makes my life super easy. Uh, the other thing that I really like are all of our uh, snacks. I mean, that's just the other go-to as a busy mom that I just need to have all these crazy, healthy, easy snacks. So we have these um, fruit circles that my kids will have in between meals um, that we launched that are really like stickers, but they're innovation that's fun, that's easy. They just strip and peel them off and uh, they're made with real strawberries, no preservatives, uh, and they love those. So the pastas and the the innovation of the fruit circles are probably my go-to. And I know that it's not, it doesn't sound miraculous, but that is what <laughs> a busy mom needs to save her at the end of the day when you're exhausted and you have five minutes to get a meal on the table. Absolutely. You know, pasta in my house goes a long, long way. I'm a person of one. I'll eat it for a week if you let me. <laughs> well, there you go. We can feed you for a whole week in under 50 bucks. So it's very hard to find that today. Bless it. Bless it. Um, speaking I, I, to shift gears just a little bit already, I want to dive right into it. Um, one of the things we've, we've chatted before in the past, so I'm excited to reconnect with you. One of the things that um, made me excited for this conversation is that you guys are growing. Um, you guys are in growth mode right now, experiencing double-digit member growth. So the first thing that I want to ask off the bat is, especially in today's economy, how are we managing growth? What does that growth look like? What's been the marketing strategy behind said growth? Yeah, you know, I can safely say our growth is coming 100% internally. When we came into the year with all the macroeconomic indicators looking even across our competitive landscape, everybody was down. We were we had a long road ahead of us. And so a large part of our growth strategy has been from truly understanding our consumer and our member and where the growth is going to come from. And we've seen, you know, two cohorts this year that have just exploded for us um, exponentially. The first one has been our wellness champion parents. And, you know, internally we call them big spender parents. And it's more because they have a very high affinity for the category. They really uh, prioritize health and wellness, not just for themselves, but for their kids. 
But the real life problem they have is they actually don't know what to buy. They want healthy, they want less sugar, but they're going to the you know big box grocery stores and not finding it there. And that is where Thrive Market comes in and we provide them a solution and we give them the brand names and we give them you know the value props and we explain to them why a Simple Mills chocolate chip cookie is better than you know, something you're going to find in a, in, a, in a big box retailer, which has 50 grams of sugar and is not really uh, made with, and is made with high, you know, uh, fructose corn syrup and lots of preservatives. And we have none of those. And so the two uh, consumer groups, one, the wellness champion parents, and the second one, young professionals, has been our biggest focus area, so much so that it is now becoming a persona, not just uh, for marketing, but for the whole company. So thinking about forms and formats and brands and products that they would love, uh, because we feel like we've barely even scratched the surface there. And so uh, it started there from those consumer cohorts. Then it went into really thinking about what messages can relate with them. Uh, and so, you know, some of the the marketing campaigns and ads that have worked really, really well is our Healthy Dupes. Um, the Healthy Dupes campaign is is all about healthy dupes of your favorite childhood snacks and you know, we've all grown up with all of those childhood favorite snacks, you know, whether it was Nutella or Oreos or whatnot. But, you know, a lot of these brands are doing innovation to come up with uh, products that, you know, are not the same, they may be similar, but they have low sugar. They're made with almond flour. They're easier dupes. Mm. And it's really smart because you're cutting the amount of grams your child is eating. And one of our, you know, ads that went viral was an ad that opened up saying, did you know your child consumes 53 pounds of sugar in a year? And by the way, that stat didn't even, you know, it's not something we made up. It's actually on the internet. If you Google it, in the US, a child is eating 53 grams of sugar in, in a year. And I was shocked even to learn that as a mom of two. I had no idea. And immediately showing the solutions and and how Thrive can be a savior. Um, those are some of the the ads that have worked really, really well. The majority of our spend actually goes um, into... Uh, three areas. Um, it goes into uh, meta, TikTok, and search, uh, with the m- most growth coming really on uh, meta and TikTok this year. Explosive growth we've seen. And I'll have to say it's not like, you know, it's happened overnight. Our success on both meta and TikTok has been a journey. Um, in fact, we got into TikTok three years ago, first through influencers. And only, I would say, in the last 12 to 15 months did we start putting paid behind it and build an organic mm. strategy around it. And so those just those two channels are the bulk of where our investment is going because we know that's where those consumers are as well. And, you know, the third big part of our strategy is we really believe that you can do brand and performance. You can do both. We don't believe in this bifurcation that there is one team that just does brand and one team that just does performance. When anybody comes into marketing, we actually spend a lot of time teaching them all the brand values, all the membership values. And, you know, the way we think about marketing is if you educate and inspire, uh, people will understand your brand and it will drive results. And it's been that kind of holistic thinking of brand and performance together as one team that has also created best in class creative and messaging to win with those consumer cohorts um, as well. So High level, you know, the growth has come from those two consumer segments, the channels that we talk meta and TikTok, and then really with this brand and performance uh, mindset first. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's really interesting that you mentioned TikTok uh, because at this point, it's it's something that no marketer can avoid. Um, but I think what's interesting is that when it comes to like 
the paid performance side of TikTok, there are some marketers that are still not quite sold. So I would love for you to kind of walk me through um, kind of the relationship that you guys have with TikTok. Is it through the influencer marketing? Is it through the paid units? How are the paid units performing? Give me kind of some more in the weeds there. Yeah, sure. Um, so TikTok has been one where, you know, we got in a couple of years ago when before TikTok was even a thing, which was smart because we got a head start. And we got in through the influencer side primarily with micro-influencers who were either mm -hmm. already using the brand, so it was very authentic, or had a very high affinity for health and wellness. And so them using the brand made natural sense. And we learned a lot, mostly on creative and messaging and hooks on what it was going to take to actually um, expand our influencer strategy on TikTok. And once we learned, you know, that kind of cracked the code where I will, you know, oversimplify it, but the biggest thing we learned was who the influencer was, who their audience following was, had to have a very strong affinity in the value props that we were offering. We spent a lot of time figuring out like what, what was the insight, you know, and because many of them had used the brand and the product, they came up with insights that was super powerful themselves, right? And they started talking about why they were using it. And it went, again, it went back to this like, you know, swapping healthy healthy brands for unhealthy ones, swap, swapping healthy and easier snacks for complicated junk food that, you know, really was not uh, smart. And once we started seeing that format work, we started to take a lot of those ads and uh, use that format and structure to guide what our paid ad uh, would be as well and started to scale that pretty gradually at first. Um, but I would say over the last, you know, eight to nine months, pretty explosively. We just started seeing uh, immediate performance results coming from it. We would be, we spent a lot of time um, on measurement as well. On the influencer side, it was definitely harder to measure, but once we started putting uh, paid on it, we were able to do incrementality uh, measurement studies to see uh, the delta TikTok was bringing. We were all also able to use our pixel data to also track the incoming cohorts of consumers that were coming. And then we also have our internal um, survey data, uh, which is, you know, how did you hear about us? And all of those metrics were showing us that this, this channel was truly incremental in bringing in uh, both those wellness champion parents as well as those young professionals. And so, you know, as a result, we then felt, you know, if the paid and the influencers working, we are, we're now at the stage where we also want to create some surround sound. Um, and we then started also working on the organic um, side as well to scale it. Some of our results, I mean, just to just to give you a little bit of, you know, kind of headlines on what we've activated, uh, we have we have driven about, you know, over 150,000 members into our community uh, since we turned on um, TikTok. That's over 210 million views. Uh, we've scaled spend on TikTok um, across influencer and paid over 250 percent versus uh, year ago. So astronomical growth. And we've done it at an almost 30 percent cheaper, you know, uh, cost of acquisition or, or what we call CPA. Um, and so that diversity of influencers, the messaging that the influencers really kind of pioneered for us, we were then able to really take and scale. And we've built the right infrastructure to continue to scale it. When we've looked at next year, I mean, this is the real icing on the cake. And we've done some cost curve analysis to validate it. We don't even think we've reached that threshold of diminishing returns. So we we really think there's even more growth 
um, still yet to come next year uh, to scale TikTok with our cohorts. Um, so super excited about what we've achieved, but even more excited to think about what what we're going to achieve next year. I would assume that at this point, it's fair to say TikTok has found itself as a permanent fixture in you guys' media mix at this point. Totally, totally. TikTok has worked um, very successfully as as Meta has for us as well. Which I'd love for you to kind of walk me through the meta aspect of this as well. Is that Reels? Is that Instagram? I know that when Instagram set up Reels as a competitor, that it kind of became this two-pronged strategy um, for a lot of marketers. Um, So walk me through like that content creation to make sure that there's TikTok-specific, Instagram perspective specific, excuse me, or a mix of the two? Yeah. I mean, for us, Meta actually has worked uh, both on Instagram and on Facebook. So both channels are working really well. We've actually diversified uh, formats uh, within the platforms as well. But, you know, um, Instagram stories and Instagram reels continues to do really, really well for us. Um, And stories does particularly well on influencers. Um, That is where we have been actually able to back into um, a CPA. And even our last click CPA, which we look at directionally, are very efficient, which is telling us that it's working on multiple uh, fronts. And um, what we've also done is put a lot of paid behind some of the influencer ads that are also working uh, on Instagram, on both stories and reels. And that has also worked really, really well for us. Um, so there's been a lot more format uh, you know, diversification. I think the biggest thing is really... Uh, you know, this reels, this kind of short form, quick and punchy, um, and even stories format just really, really works very well um, with consumers. And that's how they're consuming media. They're, it's more video first. We do some static ads. They do perform uh, well, but it's a much smaller percentage of our portfolio. Video first, reels first are still the, the primary, um, you know, avenue for growth and, and stories too. And we've got it down to... Um, a you know best practice approach where it's literally like a one pager the team has drawn up where they know exactly what to do now whether it's from the you know hook point the first three seconds the brands that we show the products that we show the assortment that we show the unboxing experience um, how we make it look you know truly authentic raw natural I mean we don't actually have any actors in any of our ad they're all um, either members or they're actually employees our thrivers and one of our uh, meta ads, actually two of them. So one TikTok ad was our founder story uh, went viral. And the reason it went viral was we actually took uh, Nick talking in a forum. We did not shoot this ad. We just took an existing content where he was presenting at a, an event and a forum and he was talking about Thrive Market. And it was so compelling and authentic the way he presented in just a matter of few seconds what Thrive Market is, how it's going to solve your you know, life problems around healthy and sustainable and how we make it affordable and with 30% cheaper than retail, that within a matter of seconds of him speaking, the ad just went viral. And it went viral on TikTok. And we were shocked because you know founder ads are not a novel concept. But yet when we started looking at across TikTok, what was going on, not many founders were coming on TikTok. And we were surprised by that. And so it was, it was the combination of him being a founder plus his compelling take on what's unique about Thrive Market, it just it just hit the charts. On Meta, Absolutely. on Meta, it was interesting to add for us uh, this year that went viral was actually one of our employee ads. Um, and we call it the Mario ad now, where he is sharing a point of view. And it just starts, he's not even talking in this ad. It's just music and voiceover. And it starts off with a point of view, healthy snacks. I can't find healthy snacks anywhere. 
until I found Thrive Market. And I think that is a problem that people can easily relate to in like a second. They just, they cannot find it and they get frustrated. So they then give up, right? Um, And so being able to be that, do that problem solution in three seconds, using people who genuinely are, you know, part of the brand, whether they're your members, whether they're your thrivers. I mean, it does, it doesn't sound all very novel, but when you do that all together with that compelling hook and you stitch the story and you show this assortment and the brands and the products, it all just comes together. And so those two ads themselves, I remember like Nick's ad was 60% of our spend in one month on TikTok, which was just incredible to see. I think the social strategy that you guys have from what I'm hearing is that it is like locked and loaded, set into place, which kind of begs the next question is like, once you've got that locked and loaded, what do you start testing next to kind of the next thing to conquer? Have we looked at the metaverse or AI or Web3? Oh yeah, this is a, a, a great question. Well, you know, it's easy to get very, very distracted. Um, and so while we feel we have our recipe for Meta and TikTok uh, pretty down to the wire, we still think there's tremendous upside there. And so I would not, mm-hmm. I would not defocus from the core because the bulk of your media spend is going to continue to come from your proven channels. But to your point, we have a lot more uh, liberation now to experiment and get into areas uh, that we were probably more uncomfortable uh, before. Uh, but are have since we last probably tested them become much more I would say mature and uh, more performance driven and so there are two areas that we are excited uh, to be to be testing into um, one is uh, infomercials and the other one is connected TV and so with with our brand story being so compelling we believe the video format is where we want to place our bets. Like the the more um, capture time we have an audience to tell more of our brand story, our mission is is so powerful. You know, we're about making healthy um, and sustainable living easy, affordable, and accessible. If we can humanize and show the impact that we're able to create, not just to your life, but the lives of others, um, that story creates such a surround sound and emotional connection and impact that you just can't do in a static ad in, in one second, Right. So we are now investing uh, and building the capability to do longer form content infomercial as long as, you know, 20 to 30 minutes where we can actually uh, be part and be featured in like, you know, content that is about healthy lifestyle or healthy cooking, um, coupled with, you know, Thrive Market inserted carefully to tell you how you can get your ingredients, you know, and, and, and shipped within, you know, a matter of days in this carbon neutral way, how you can get them more affordable. What are the ingredients you need to make, you know, this quick recipe? So that those two video-based formats, I think, are for us where we feel we can get a lot more reach, a lot more audience, and it would be incremental to our business as well. And we could still win with Wellness Champion parents and you know young professionals, but we would be reaching them through alternate means. And so those are kind of where we're testing, but we know the bulk of our growth is going to continue to come from our core channels. After a message from our sponsor, we'll be right back. I'm Christina Ko. Senior Editor at Custom, Digiday Media's in-house agency. In this podcast, in our social story, sponsored by Meta, we speak with Andrea Gellert, the company's Global Vice President of Business and Product Marketing, about generative AI, the new features the company is rolling out, the responsibility required with the technology, and the thought process behind the latest developments. AI is just fundamental to every aspect of our business, and it's been an integral part in Meta's DNA easily since the launch of Feed in 2006. 
Uh, what's really exciting is that the recent advances in Gen AI will unlock so many new opportunities for business of all sizes. Uh, AI, and specifically Gen AI, will help make ads more performant, allow for personalization at scale, so they reach the customers they need to, to grow. So for example, with Advantage Plus shopping campaigns, instead of an advertiser manually setting up many different campaigns, which can take an enormous amount of effort, and, and also, you know, you might be guessing some of the time, uh, in, instead of doing that, they set up one single campaign, and we automatically test hundreds of different combinations to optimize for the highest performing ones. Not only does AI make it easier to test and run multiple variations of a campaign, but it continues to optimize for whatever is performing best and is evolving to make creating social media-specific ads even easier and more effective. The three new features we've launched are image expansion, background generation, and text variation. And image expansion allows you to seamlessly adjust creative assets to fit different aspect ratios across multiple ad surfaces like feed or reels. And this allows businesses the freedom to spend less time and resources on repurposing assets and much more time on critical work. Meta's background generation tool helps teams craft multiple backgrounds that complement their product images while also tailoring them for different audiences. So for example, if a business wants to test out the way their product looks on a beach versus a snowy mountain versus an urban setting, this feature allows them to do so. The text variation tool is similar in that it creates multiple versions of an ad's text based on the original copy. This means multiple opportunities to better connect with audiences. While it's common for teams to focus on the visual aspects of creatives, the copy is crucial too. It can offer personality and draw consumers in. And what we've heard from businesses who have conducted early testing of these meta features is that half of them estimate that generative AI will save them five or more hours a week, which is the equivalent of one month a year. And I don't know about you, but I could sure use a month's worth of time back in my schedule. While the time-saving factor of AI is huge for marketers, some are still wary of engaging with the technology heavily without knowing more about the guardrails being put in place. Luckily, there are solutions out there being created responsibly. You know, building new technology always comes with the responsibility to develop best practices and policies. And while there are many exciting and creative uses for generative AI, it won't always be perfect. So what we're doing is we're building safeguards into our AI features and models before we launch them. Like, for example, we have notices that help people understand the limits of generative AI and integrity classifiers that help us catch and remove dangerous responses. And in keeping with our overall commitment to responsible AI, we also stress test our products to improve safety performance. And we believe that AI tools and generative AI will help them move the needle forward in like exciting new ways that we may not even be able to predict right now. You've been listening to Andrea Gellert, Global Vice President of Business and Product Marketing at Meta, our sponsor on this episode. And now back to the Digiday podcast. I think not for nothing, I know we've talked about that you guys are seeing a lot of growth, but not for nothing, the D2C landscape right now is, is a little rocky between hiked marketing costs, the crackdown on data privacy. So I'm curious how Thrive is navigating that and kind of what does that mean for your role as a CMO? Um, yeah, I mean, I think the way we've the way we've handled privacy and even macroeconomic external factors We've really said, look, there's, you know, the macroeconomic, the, the economy, even privacy changes. It's, it goes back to the circle of concern and circle of influence to me. And our team's been really disciplined about that. You know, we came into this year with all of those challenges and, and the privacy challenge has, has been going on for multiple years. 
what it does for marketing and good marketers today or great marketers today is, yes, it gives you a bit of guardrails, right? They are going to always be guardrails in the business. And uh, what great marketers do is they do not make it their circle of concern. They instead turn to what their circle of influence is going to be and focus on how can we be more creative? How can we be more insightful? How can we target without targeting, you know, essentially? And I think that has been the discipline that has made our marketing so much better, that we've just spent more time understanding our members, understanding our consumer, um, to take our creative, our measurement um, the things that we can internally control and influence to the next level, right? So while we can't go and influence Facebook directly on, you know, or or Google on how they're going to be, you know, altering privacy, we can learn what the guard guardrails are and we can be street smart and savvy and, you know, bend it to our advantage. We don't have to break the rules, but we can be as creative as possible. And I think that kind of mindset has actually liberated our team. They don't feel encroached and, you know, playing playing from a state to not lose is not the right way to approach it rather than playing to win. And I think that's that's been the difference. It's a it's a mindset shift for me more than anything. And if you go into it with the right mindset, I think you can win and your business can grow. And so the other one on inflation, we just have to be it's a reality check that consumers are going to be thinking price, price, price. Right. And that is that is true. Um, I've been doing it. I look at how many subscriptions we have as a family and I'm like, wait a minute, are we spending like hundreds of dollars <laughs> on just subscriptions every month, every year? We've got to cut this down, right? That's the mindset that consumers are facing too, right? And so if we're not adding value, why would they need you? And so with that, with that coming into mind, you know, we have uh, been a lot more, um, you know, thoughtful about communicating the value we bring. Uh, yeah. You know, a lot of marketers would, would tell you go straight towards savings, but that is a dangerous hook to play. If you just go into discounts and savings, uh, which is a part of our value prop, I'm not saying it's not, but if you lean too much on discount and savings, you're going to you're gonna be challenged in the long run. So what we've actually seen work, which is absolutely shocking in the last three to six months, is actually lean in more on quality, you know, reassure on savings that yes, you will save. But tell them your life is so important. Why do you want to compromise the stuff that you put in your body in terms of, you know, healthy and organic and sustainable? And we've seen that consumers connect to that, that it's it's about where they're willing to spend, you know, and what they value. They may not be willing to spend on everything, but the health of their, their families, the health of their lives is important. And so why trade off organic for something that's not? Why trade off healthy for something that's unhealthy, right? And so this brings in a higher quality member for us that not only uh, wins with us as, you know, in the short run, but wins with us on an LTV basis because we see as they progress and mature, they really value what Thrive has to offer. And yes, the savings are there, but that's like a reassurance for them. And the way we're bringing them in, they really fundamentally believe on the quality. And so what our merchandising team does is they have consistently been raising the bar on quality too. And so, you know, one of the stats is for like, you know, for every hundred brands that applies to Thrive, you only take 10% because we're so strict on the quality standards and metrics. We really make sure our ratings and reviews are 4.7 and, and above. We restrict, you know, hundreds of ingredients on organic, um, over 700 ingredients in, in beauty and whatnot. And our members start trusting us. And it's that trust 
that has, you know, really been a big barrier, even in difficult times like inflation, macroeconomic uh, situations, because they start realizing that, you know, I can trust Thrive Market, Thrive Market to give me healthy. They're not just going to down tier and like bring in other brands that aren't as high quality, that aren't meeting my values and needs, you know, just to just to offer a deal or a savings. And so that trust that we built in them in the in the long run has also helped us get through some of these challenges. I think notably what's interesting is that the idea of like wellness is such a big talking point right now, um, just kind of like in culture. So there's this kind of intersection between like wellness, the influencers, and then Thrive that's all happening for this growth to, to happen. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's you know, I think part partly uh, the biggest change has been the pandemic. You know, like before mm-hmm. being healthy was almost uh, a luxury. It was a privilege. Now it's a necessity. Like people have really realized that health and wellness is a necessity. But, you know, the industry hasn't caught up, right? And the industry is still treating it like a privilege, you know, and a lot of the the retailers are treating it like a privilege because they are overpriced. They are expensive, you know, and and so for Thrive, we are a catalyst of change, not just for ourselves, but we really believe we're a catalyst of change for the industry. And we believe we're, we're in this together, but we have a job to do to influence other, other brands and other partners too, and bring them along this journey. And so we work with about 300 brand partners and every quarter we have a summit with them where we influence them. We inspire them with what we're doing, but we also influence them that let's take action together. Growing up, one of my mom's favorite comments to me was, you can pay now or you can pay later. This was her way of trying to get me to eat my vegetables as a child, <laughs> threatening, threatening me with the health that, system. That is a lot, I would say, cleaner version than what I tell my kids. <laughs> I, I basically connected to their ability to go to the bathroom or not, and they immediately start eating vegetables. <laughs> oh my God. I'll say it worked. It worked on me. It works. It works. You have to do what works. So we... We talked about inflation from a consumer perspective, but I'd also love to know kind of what this looks like for you guys internally. Um, I think now more so than we've seen in the past, inflation and economic headwinds has meant that marketing budgets um, are under more scrutiny than, you know, what they, they traditionally are having to, to to prove ROI and things like that. So curious, has that how does that impact how you go to work, how you work with your team and, and, and that type of thing? Yeah, I mean, we're probably an outlier on this one. Because our our marketing budgets have increased by twenty uh, percent this year, uh, but we have also been about twelve percent more efficient than last year, and we're bringing in about you know sixty uh, percent more members than last year. In the last couple of months, it's been one hundred percent more. So so I think. Again, you know, a great marketer, in my point of view, is a great general manager. You know, it's your ability to understand the business holistically, uh, understand the consumer holistically, and use those insights to solve tangible uh, both business problems and consumer problems. And when you do that, you know, through the power of of great marketing, uh, you get disproportional results like what we're seeing, where you're able to grow more efficiently and, you know, I have to say this, we didn't even have to go back to the board to keep asking for the increase in investment. It was almost like spend as much as you can because you guys are so efficient and we're not seeing that anywhere else. So we were almost having this opposite discussion in the boardroom of like, how much can you spend, you know, which is a phenomenal place to be as, as, a, as a marketer and a brand right now. 
And I think it goes back to, you know, what nobody wants, including the marketing team, is inefficient spend that's just being, you know, thrown out. And so we've been very intentional with every dollar that we've spent, um, how to maximize um, the return and how to measure it in a way that is actually tangible, right? I think the the part where a lot of marketers are struggling right now is the measurement piece, which is, it is the hairy, less sexy, complicated part of marketing. Um, and we've had to do a lot of incrementality testing. And what we've come to terms is there's no single data point. There's just, it's not like a one data point that's going to tell you this is going to be a silver bullet data on like, you know, this is what it is and this is the North Star. But look for the symmetry of data, you know, and we started seeing a lot of symmetry of data in Meta, a lot of symmetry of data in TikTok. And then we started to scale the spend there. And as we scaled it, we started to see the efficiency and return on the portfolio, right? And I'd say about, uh, I'd say about almost 80% of our portfolio, we have been able to do geolift uh, tests where we can truly test, you know, because we are doing it and, you know, uh, turning, you know, the ads on and off in a particular geolocation, we can actually prove out what the incrementality is. And so as we started doing those geolift tests, we have pretty much outside of influencer been able to do it on most of our paid marketing efforts. We were really able to triangulate what the incremental CPA and costs were. And that has led us to be more efficient, making the right media mix choices, getting our investments into the right channels. And as we continue to chisel every month, we got more and more and more efficient, which to me, the the biggest shocking part um, is we are a seasonal business. Our toughest months are summer. I mean, think about it. Do you want to go grocery shopping in the summer? Would you be rather traveling to Paris or France or, or be out in the Caribbean? And Yet our summer even outperformed our Q1 uh, because every month we were able to take the insights from the last month and, you know, chisel our media mix and get it even more efficient for the next. And so to see that growth during the toughest months, uh, that was the biggest litmus test for us that this is 100% internal because we are now able to conquer even headwinds in seasonality. Um, and so it goes back to I think the what I kind of started the conversation with is like, know your consumer, know who you're targeting, know the right messages, know the right channels. And when you get all of that right, build the right measurement plans and, you know, be able to prove out the ICPA and the, you know, um, ROIs, you will get the dollars. They will come because, you know, businesses want to fund and investors to want to fund businesses that are growing profitably and are growing smartly. And so there is money to be had, but it will come to those who are able to maximize the return the best way. And so we are actually going to be growing spend another, uh, you know, 10% next year already going in. And the sky is the limit where we'll actually close uh, the door, which I which I wouldn't be surprised if we were 20% growth again. Oh, my goodness. I think you bring up a really good point and probably one of the biggest learnings um, that the, the industry has seen since the pandemic is this idea of there is no silver bullet um, for um, for for the return on investment, especially with with Google's cookie crumbling and with ATT kind of cracking down on on privacy, which has kind of pushed marketers, especially startups, D 2 Cs, um, and smaller businesses, back up the funnel to like rediscover brand awareness. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and, and some of it is common sense, right? We're we are a brand that does have low awareness, you know, and so we do have to think about how do we maximize reach, you know. While we have about, you know, 1.4 million members, you can also flip it and say we have only 1.4 million members, right? And so, um, you know, 
to me, it's 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 really. I think you can get caught up in your own world, uh, but if you take a step mm-hmm. back and you see the, the the reality outside, like we know, we've only scratched the surface with you know wellness champion parents. Like there's just so much to be had, and what we've seen that's been really exciting um, on the organic side on social um, is how popular we've started to become am- amongst the parents. You know, and that word of mouth itself can become you know as high as. Uh, 25 to 30% of your brand. So we've seen even our organic traffic playing such an important role in that word of mouth. And this is free, right? This is actually unpaid dollars where people are referring you uh, to their friends and family because now they've become, you know, brand believers and brand ambassadors. And that's a part of marketing to me that's that's actually the most fun is when you start get, gaining that popularity and that trust amongst parents to be that kind of it brand um, that they want to recommend to their friends and to to others, and so uh, so to your point, you know there there is no silver bullet. You kind of have to be strategically focused, but all of these things are are interconnected, and and when you get it right, it is really one plus one equals three. Absolutely. And the the last thing that I wanted to ask you, and this is always a fun question to ask, is there's so much happening right now within the marketing space. But what are the trends that you are most excited about that you're keeping tabs on? You know, um, the trends in the healthy and grocery space that are really, really exciting me right now are the biggest one is is kind of what I alluded to in the ads, but it is this nostalgia, right? Like uh, parents are truly, you know, they want their junk food, but they don't want the junk in it. Let's just call it that, right? And how do you give them innovation like that? To me, that is still astoundingly the number one biggest trend in innovation, there just simply isn't enough. Like if you go down any snack grocery aisle, it's the same brands in the same format that that we grew up as kids, you know? And it feels shocking that our children should have that passed on to them, right? But you start seeing these brands emerge, and I'll give you the example of Smart Sweets that has made, you know, uh, mm-hmm. basically gummies come back with five grams of sugar and no alcohol sugars, none of the preservatives, um, and it tastes exactly the same. My son cannot tell any difference, uh, yet I can see the huge difference it is in his behavior after he eats that. He's not hyper and excited and crashing after a couple of, you know, of those uh, unhealthy ones. But to me, that's a huge um, insight. And it's not just in the snacks, it's coming back in beverages. You know, people are looking at uh, the kind of non-alcoholic alcoholic drinks. Um, yeah. It's becoming a huge trend. Like, you know, you don't have to wake up with a headache and feel awful. Like, why should you feel awful? You should have fun to have fun, not to have fun to wake up the next day and feel terrible, right? And so those beverages and, you know, the types of drinks you can get, I mean, brands like Spinthrift are creating, you know, organic juice blended um, and in these amazing, incredible flavors. So they actually taste great and you don't get any of the side effects. They're low sugar, um, you know, they're biodynamic, organic wines, all of it. There's just so much happening in this, you know, how do we take the junk and the bad and make it healthy? Uh, Poppy is one of my personal favorite drinks. They're completely oh, yeah. on fire right now. I mean, and such a, and you know, I was the person who used to take those apple cider shots. I mean, the insight to me is so powerful. Like, why not make this into a canned drink that tastes good? Why are we putting apple cider shots in ourselves? Like, because we know it's good for us, but it doesn't taste good. And so this ability to make healthy tasty, this ability to make healthy cool, this ability to make healthy in fun formats, you know, the kind of innovation uh, fruit circle stickers that I call for for kids that they will love. 
that's to me the biggest trend and brands that can really get in and play there um, are going to win. The second one is kind of what you alluded to as well. Like, you know, we are we are gifted this planet, not just for our generation, but for the next is sustainability. Right. And those trends are, you know, not they're just they're just not even a trend anymore. It's a reality that we have to think about the planet, right? And we have to think about our packaging. We have to think about how much waste we're putting out there, how our, how we're shipping as a brand. Um, to me, that's just a, a huge space that brands that are not doing enough there, uh, Gen Z consumers are not going to reward you. They're going to see through you and you can't back into it. It has to be part of your brand DNA from the start because it's how you're going to be doing business, right? It's going to be how you're going to set up your business, so really, you know, thinking about sustainability um, first and really thinking about how that is a part, an integral part of uh, of your brand. Um, it's more than a trend now. It's a necessity and it's, I feel like, a brand requirement. And to me personally, I would never work on a brand that was not really uh, already actively investing in those areas because these are all things that are going to affect our, you know, our planet for the next generation to come. So that's the Absolutely. other one that that's going to be absolutely um, key. And then I think it goes back to, you know, innovation around ease. Like no matter what we say, uh, you know, especially for parents, we're busy, we're tired. How do you make it easier, right? Like what are what are some of the innovations and, and you know, formats and tools and techniques you can do uh, that can make life truly easier. And so one of one of the uh, innovations we did, which has been one of my favorites, is we created our, our world's first shoppable cookbook. So you buy a cookbook. Um, and in fact, we give it as a gift at Thrive Market. Um, so, uh-huh. so new members get this uh, cookbook. It's made with uh, all of our key influencers. It's all easy, healthy recipes under, you know, 10 to 15 minutes. And each one has a QR code. So you don't have to go and think about what to buy. It's just QRable. You get all the ingredients from Thrive Market and you can meal plan for the week. You know, marketing is going to be ideas like that, you know, and brands that can help solve life problems and make it simple and digestible and easy will also get ahead. So this other trend of thinking a bit out of the box of how, you know, you can go one step further than doing a cookbook, make it shoppable, make it easy, put QR codes. To me, those are some of the exciting areas where um, where the where the trends will come in and and how we can truly make healthy living easy. Listen, Amina, I cannot thank you enough for spending some time with the Digiday team, letting me pick your brain and giving us the juicy scoop. Um, thank you so much for for being a, a guest on the podcast. Same here. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation, and uh, I hope uh, it was helpful for for you and then mostly for your audience as well. It was great to be here. Thank you so much. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Digiday Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. 